Hey, Fidelity. How can I remember to invest every month? With the Fidelity app, you can choose a schedule and set up recurring investments in stocks and ETFs. Oh, that sounds easier than I thought. You got this. Yeah, I do. Now, where did I put my keys? You will find them where you left them. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE SIPC. At Best Western, we can't promise you the perfect family beach vacation. We can't promise that it won't rain, or that you won't get a sunburn, or that your family won't endearingly call you Lobster Mom for weeks afterward. What we can promise is a warm welcome and a comfortable room amidst all the joyful chaos. Lobster Mom. Life's a trip. Make the most of it at Best Western with over 4,200 hotels worldwide. The 2024 theme for Black History Month is Black Art and Black Artisans. I'll be exploring this topic in conversations with Black-identifying art therapists about the ways they're using the expressive arts in therapy with Black children, parents, and families to process racialized experiences. In today's episode, I'm talking with creative arts therapists Anita Powell and Jennifer T. Richards. Welcome back to Project Parenthood. I'm your host, Dr. Nanika Kaur, clinical psychologist and respectful parenting therapist. Each week, I'll help you repair and deepen your parent-child's connection, increase self-compassion and cooperation from your kids, and cultivate joy, peace, and resilience in your relationship with them. Anita Powell is a new mom to a beautiful one-year-old baby girl and a New York State licensed creative arts therapist who received her Master's of Science from Pratt Institute's Creative Arts Therapy Program. Anita studied dance therapy at Pratt, However, upon graduating, Anita received professional development training in art therapy, child-parent psychotherapy, perinatal mental health, play therapy, and lastly, baby developmental yoga and children's yoga, which she primarily uses in her work with children and parents. Anita is determined to highlight the benefits of different forms of therapy to all communities, especially communities of color and to help break the mental health stigmas rooted in communities of color. Alongside full-time work, Anita runs a small private practice named Solace Steps Therapy and Wellness that was founded in April 2021. Jennifer T. Richards is the founder of It's Yours, Creative Healing. She graduated from New York University in 2011 with a master's in drama therapy and is a New York State licensed creative arts therapist. She's worked in adult inpatient psychiatry and outpatient substance use disorder clinics in hospitals and institutions for the past 11 years. She uses drama therapy to teach coping skills and addresses trauma, anxiety, depression, adult children of alcoholics, feelings of abandonment, and people-pleasing. As a result of the therapeutic interventions, the clients she works with demonstrate increased self-esteem, expansion of coping skills, increased participation and retention, and movement through the stages of change. She has worked in adult inpatient psychiatry and outpatient substance use disorder clinics and hospitals and institutions for the past 11 years. She uses drama therapy to teach coping skills and addresses trauma, 
anxiety, depression, adult children of alcoholics, feelings of abandonment, and people-pleasing. As a result of her therapeutic interventions, her clients have demonstrated increased self-esteem, expansion of coping skills, increased participation and retention, as well as movement through the stages of change. In addition to her work with clients, she's facilitated group programs for staff to engage in creativity and self-expression to reduce stress and compassion fatigue. Here's my chat with Anita and Jennifer. Hi, everyone. I'm here now with two licensed creative arts therapists who work with kids and adults, Anita Powell and Jennifer T. Richards. Anita Powell is a New York State licensed creative arts therapist who works with children and parents. Anita is determined to highlight the benefits of different forms of therapy to all communities, especially communities of color, and to help break the mental health stigmas rooted in communities of color. Alongside full-time work, Anita runs a small private practice named Sola Steps Therapy and Wellness, founded in April 2021. Jennifer T. Richards is a drama therapist using creativity to inspire change in the art therapy practice she founded called It's Yours Creative Healing. Anita and Jennifer, I'm so glad to have you here at Project Parenthood in the spirit of Black History Month's 2024's theme of Art and Artisans to talk with us a little about how you've used art therapy techniques to help Black kids and parents process issues of racial trauma and to express feelings around liberation and resistance. Thanks so much to the both of you for being here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to have both of you here. It's been really cool to have these conversations. I love talking about art therapy. It's like, it's been really, really fun just learning more about it. Um, since I've never been in art therapy myself, now I clearly want to do this. Now I'm like, I need to do all the art therapy. Can I do all the art therapy? So I wanted to start before we sort of jump into techniques and things. I wanted to sort of find out a little bit from the both of you what your experience has been like. Um, just in the field in general. So maybe, Anita, you could start by telling us a little bit about how your art therapy journey has maybe intersected with issues of oppression or just racialized experiences that you've had just in your training or maybe your art, your own personal therapy, art therapy journey, personally rather than professionally. And then Jennifer, I'll, I'll ask you the same thing. In my grad school program for creative arts therapy, at the time, 90% of my instructors were non-people of color. So I was one of five people in my DMT program. And I think being a Black creative arts therapist and a dance therapist in a predominantly white field is making a statement of its own. And some of the principles that were taught to us in our program, um, I feel were Eurocentric and the pioneers of dance therapy were white females. Examples that were used in like my clinical diagnosis class were based on outdated stereotypes in the Black community. Um, and some of the traditional dance therapy interventions that I was taught didn't always come naturally to me and didn't, didn't necessarily resonate with my Black body in a way that I felt like I could share and practice um, in my interventions with clients over the years. Since then, I know that the program has changed and it's done a lot of work. Uh, there's more diverse staff. Uh, they've added resources and content to the curriculum to be more culturally aware and provide more cultural competency for students to learn more about the needs of diverse backgrounds and to be more willing to have these tough conversations, especially in the classroom. And I, lastly, like in my 10 years of experience, and this includes like 
internship. I've worked in psychiatric hospitals, schools, transitional homes, community agencies. And I feel like some, like so much has come up in my work with parents surrounding institutional racism, mistrust of law enforcement and authority figures, mistrust of clinicians um, and microaggressions that they've experienced. Um, and I feel so honored to be able to offer such a unique form of therapy. Uh, and I feel like the arts can be like a non-threatening way for parents to engage uh, or just adults to engage in this, this work. Thanks for that. Thanks for that. That There's a lot that percolated, but Jennifer, I want to hear your story too. Tell me a little bit about your experience in this way in the art therapy world. So when I went to school, I uh, they didn't have a lot of people of color teaching at the time. And Annette, Anita said, sorry, they have changed and they were always open to change. So I was always really comfortable with that. But I also being a little older, I came in saying, okay, you know, I'm going to have to blacken things up. I'm going to learn what they want to teach me. And, you know, they're like uh, a sound and a movement. And I'm like, pass the move. I knew that I would have to do my own work to to make it what I needed it to be. Because I, I can't wait for somebody to give me permission to make my clients feel comfortable. I'm going to have to see what they're asking me for and change it. So I came in with the mindset that I'm going to learn what you are, you're going to teach me and I'm going to make it work for my clients. Well, what I did see working in a, a state, a city hospital was that, you know, you get all these psychiatrists in and they've never worked with people of color. And then all of a sudden, things that I take as what we do are now symptoms. A person was wearing a blue wig. Oh, she's still manic. She's got a blue wig. I'm like, the nurse has blue hair. You're not even looking around your surroundings. And at that time, we weren't, creative arts therapists weren't new, but I, you know, I always wondered it was a creative arts therapist and two, I'm a black woman trying to tell this psychiatrist from somewhere that she's got to think harder. Isn't this, I went in this field being curious. Aren't you supposed to be curious with your clients? Aren't you supposed to ask them and see, yes, a wig could be, oh, I'm wearing this wig to take out voices, but it could be, this is what my family gave me. Inpatient is known for not having uh, shampoos and conditioners that we need. So they go around with their um, pillowcase on their head and everybody's like, oh, is this a, is this a cult? No, they're, they're trying, I come in and I put one on too. It's not a cult. It's just what we have to do. And I think that was the thing that got me the most upset is you're supposed to be curious. So why aren't you asking questions? And I have to say, to the, for the most part, a lot of them did do the work. They would ask, but then you always get one or two that walks in thinking that they're Dr. God and knows better than, than the people that are from the culture. You make such a good point. Thank you so much for for that, both of you. You know, the ways you're talking about sort of tweaking things, right? So that they make sense for you, for the people you're working with, and also just the ways in which it really doesn't matter. Um, I always go back to this. It really doesn't matter what field you're in. It doesn't matter how much training you've had. You know, you're all, you, a person of color is often going to run into people who are not curious or who are sort of taking what they see and and making it a symptom, making it a diagnosis, deciding they know what it means before they ask any questions about it to learn more about it. And I've heard that pretty much across the board with everyone I've spoken to this month. And so, you know, shifting a little bit, uh, some ways that you've 
in speaking about these things, you know, the hair things, the the sort of, you know, the things that your clients might bring to you to say, you know, here are some experiences I've had in my in my life, these ex- these racialized experiences, sometimes positive, sometimes negative, um, that, you know, really have to do with who I am as a person of color, as a black person. You know, how have you seen this in your practices? Um, how have you seen people process this through art therapy? How have you seen people process these these experiences they've had in their life through these creative processes? Anita, I'm going to start with you. So I've worked with kids and parents with both like deep generational trauma and emotions stored within their body. Um, and I think that uh, I work with predominantly zero to 12. So a lot of the work that I do in schools is helping kids be more comfortable in their own skin understand their diagnosis, release negative thoughts that they have about themselves based on labels uh, that stem from challenging behaviors that they don't understand yet, but they're exhibiting it and they don't know how it connects uh, genetically and they, they just don't understand it. So helping them to find the words and I help them think about their thought patterns and help them change it. So this looks like art activities. This looks like movement games things to facilitate conversations. It looks like drawing and coloring activities for uh, those who struggle with speaking and want more nonverbal communication. Um, I've even done something um, called an affirmation station in my counseling room. And this is something that I got from a colleague. And there's a mirror and tons of affirmations around it. Um, and so I have kids look in the mirror and, and teach them how to love themselves. What do you see? Um, I've helped kids as young as three identify their features help them affirm features that are unique, letting them know that different families have special features that are passed down onto them. And so I just try many creative things in the moment to make kids feel empowered. I love the affirmation station. Ooh, that gave me the chills, made me a little teary. I don't know. I'm like, I need my own, I need my own affirmation station, I think. <laughs> Jennifer, what, what, what have you been, you know, what have you seen in terms of, you know, uh, adults, uh, I know that you work primarily with adults, like processing, processing these racialized experiences they've had, how maybe mm-hmm. things that you've provided for them or ways that you, you know, spaces you've created for them, but also maybe ways you've seen yeah. spontaneously arise. So the mostly what I try to do is I try to, number one, explain if you have anger, it implodes or it explodes. So what I want to do is turn that anger into passion. So now if we if we call it passion and we work with it, because some of the most beautiful things that have come out of art has come from anger and passion and love. So if you're upset and you're passionate, let's write a poem about it. You know, that's activism in itself. Let's write a play. Let's put the play on in, in the group. Let's talk about it. Let's um, dance. Let's do whatever the person needs in that moment, because that's all for me part of theater especially writing the plays and the poems to express yourself and giving you an opportunity to stop and think and not just be angry. Why are you angry? Why are you hurt? A lot of affirmations about being beautiful. A lot of, um, even though I mostly work with adults, it's still printouts of all the amazing things, coloring printouts that people of color have done because sometimes they have to be reminded. If you watch TV and social media, It's always fighting and this and that. Um, It's nice to remind them that there are amazing things that we've done and there are amazing things you can do. Um, You don't have to be a big celebrity or have a lot of money to be happy or to fight. 
you don't have to, you know, for some people, they have social anxiety. They can't go to protest. Well, artwork, you know, I think back to um, Whip Willie. No words could ever have taken the place of that picture, right? So I try to explain to them that sometimes it's the art that we need. It's the speeches, it's the poems, it's the plays. That also is part of building up this community. Many people know what we're going through, what you're going through, and there's always somebody else going through it. So I try to do it that way. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, you know, when you were talking about protests and another one of the interviews that I did this month, I, I was talking about even just the, the, you know, when I think of the civil rights movement of the 60s, a lot of the signs that people carried at that time are still like, you know, like I'm a man, right? Like that's like indelible in my mind. Yes. Do you know what I mean? But I also think about exactly what it's like to even be putting that sign together before you even get to the protest, right? Like just the idea of making the mm-hmm. sign to that you're going to carry when you're at the BLM protests and when you're at the, the Women's March protests, like making the yeah. sign in and of itself has got to be some kind of catharsis even sometimes. That creativity, just putting your, you know, words of resistance into something that you're going to carry, something that other people are going to see, right? And um, I think that's amazing. And so sort of speaking, you know, about that kind of resistance and liberation, social justice, you know, what are some ways you may have worked? I mean, Anita, I'm going to ask you, since I know that you work with kids, what are some ways that you may have worked um, with kids around issues of racial and ancestral healing or social justice, liberation, resistance, when it comes to little kids? Like how how are they able to process process through those kinds of things in creative ways. It's so interesting. For this, um, I do most of this work with parents. And one of the ways that I help parents like address ancestral healing and reflecting on their childhood ex- is reflecting on their childhood experiences and how it contributes to their parenting. I worked with a mom recently who was able to identify ways in which she was uh, repeating patterns from her maternal figure and her idea of what love is um, in her current relationship with children, that was so difficult for her to sit with. I could literally see the discomfort in her body. It was heavy work. Um, and so what I did with her was I said, you know, let's move our bodies together. Um, let's, let's release this. Let's find a way to, um, release these feelings. Let's use some music. I even did a guided meditation and some breathing with her because she was unable to connect, um, to her breath in her life. And even today as she was expressing that. So um, guided meditation uh, is something that I've used to help her ground, to reflect on her parenting and to get back into her body. Um, I've even worked uh, with some parents to create playlists of songs that resonate with them, that got them through hard times in their lives and their upbringing. I'm carefully selecting these songs, listening to them, attuning, and then eventually moving to them together. I love that. And Jennifer, what are you seeing in your practice, your drama therapy practice? Like, how are you sort of addressing these kinds of issues with drama? First, let me say my co-host came out. My co-therapist came out. I can't get her to go away. Um, <laughs> she comes out every now and then, even though I try to lock her in. So sorry about that. It's okay. Um, we, we need our, we need our so, support animals. <laughs> uh, we do. We do. So a lot of times it's, like Anita said, it's a lot of body work. In my, in my practice, I have a dance therapist who does a lot of groups on healing through music and dance because it is in your body. It's in your soul. Sometimes you can't articulate the words of what has gone on in childhood because you didn't have the words at the time too. So how do you put this something so confusing like love and hurt? 
You know this person loves you and they want the best for you, but they're really hurting you, your self-esteem, everything about you. And how, how do you find the words for that? That's hard to do. So that's the, that's the thing that I usually recommend. But also as a therapist, what I like to tell people is what's underneath the words. Like you're saying these things to your children. What are underneath them for both? What do you what do you feel? What are you trying to say? Because and communities of color like love and I'm sorry. And um, I meant the best, but I made a mistake or not easily said. Right. We're taught that that's weakness and that's your kid. And you should never tell your kid you're sorry. But kids need to hear that to learn, to model. So how about we talk about what's underneath? And how about instead of you just writing a letter, how about you write a story about what's underneath? What are you going through? You know, me, not me technique. Let's let's get some distance from it so that you can say the things and it'll be a lot easier for you to do. I love that. That's what I try to do. Yeah, I love that idea that when you said me, not me, that, you know, there are these techniques that are more like projective techniques where um, I Mm. might... um, I'm working, let's say, with a nine-year-old boy, right? And I might say, you know, you know, here's, you know, I know this nine-year-old boy called Scott, and you know, tell me what Scott's into. Is Scott into this? Is Scott into that? Is Scott into this? Like, what does Scott think about this? And when it's like a completely other person, like they can really put their stuff on this imaginary human, right? This imaginary human. All of a sudden, Scott's got a lot of problems with with like teachers or something like this. Or Scott's got a like, Scott really loves football or, you know, all these other things. And so I think it's really interesting the way that you can, yeah, like remove yourself and tell a different story. And even though the story may be about you, it's not about you, you know, and and it maybe feels less less threatening, less overwhelming maybe to talk about things like that. And then you're not as guarded. Yes, not as guarded. At Best Western, we can't promise you the perfect family beach vacation. We can't promise that it won't rain or that you won't get a sunburn or that your family won't endearingly call you Lobster Mom for weeks afterward. What we can promise is a warm welcome and a comfortable room amidst all the joyful chaos. Lobster Mom. Life's a trip. Make the most of it at Best Western with over 4,200 hotels worldwide. Go spread the word. When you get a fresh, hot McCrispie from McDonald's and you can feel the heat coming through the bag, don't try to wait till you get home. Always respect hot chicken. The McCrispie, only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The days are officially getting longer. And while there may be a bit more daylight, Do you still feel like there isn't enough time to do things like plan and shop for healthy meals? Hungry Root is your partner in healthy living. It's the easiest way to get fresh, high-quality groceries and simple, healthy recipes delivered to your door. Take a fun, short quiz, and Hungry Root will get to know your health goals, your tastes, the appliances you use, and more. Then, they'll build you a personalized cart with all your grocery needs for the week, along with delicious recipe recommendations to put those groceries to good use. Everything from Hungry Root follows a simple standard. It's got to taste good, be quick to make, and contain whole, trusted ingredients. Save hours planning, shopping, and cooking. Hungry Root delivers food you'll love. 
As a busy parent striving for healthier eating, Hunger Root has been a game changer for our family. Our box was filled with fresh, high-quality ingredients and simple recipes tailored to our tastes and preferences. One feature we particularly loved was the ability to customize our meals by swapping ingredients, making mealtime exciting and adaptable to our needs. Ordering was a breeze, and the convenience of having everything delivered to our door saved us valuable time. Hungry Root truly made our weekly meals easier and better, allowing us to enjoy nutritious and delicious dishes without the stress of planning and shopping. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Project Parenthood listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com parenthood to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com parenthood. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. You know, I wanted to know, speaking of this, this idea of sort of ancestry and intergenerational healing, how have both of you used art therapy to reconnect Black parents, Black children to their ancestry, to their bodies, to themselves, to their like source of power as Black people? So I try to ask uh, my parents or the children that I work with how they're feeling today, but I also ask them where they feel it in their body. What does this sensation feel like? Is it tingly? Does it have a, a temperature? Does it this feeling have a color? Uh, is there a word to describe this feeling? If that if there is a word, what would it be? And let's explore this through movement. Um, you know, dance therapists we use mirroring, embodying feelings, imagery, storytelling, like you mentioned. And feelings are stored in the body, and depending on how we move, um, and how much access we give our body to explore this, um, we could tap into those emotions. So something that I've also done in both uh, individual work and in dyadic groups to help parents and children find their source of power. And I start by identifying a word. Um, so it could be happiness, it could be power, it could be strength. Um, what are movements that you would use to express this? Is the movement with your head? Is it with your arms? Is it with your legs? Um, and then we create movements together based on their associations with that word, understanding what the word means to each person and then embodying it. And lastly, um, I mirror their movements. I ask permission um, to join them um, in the experience of the association of whatever word they come up with. That's really cool. I like that. What do you What do you got, Jennifer? So a lot of times we'll circle up, right? And when we're in the circle, I'll say, well, what do you want to thank your ancestors for? Because there are some things that help them survive. I want them to recognize that so that the, the anger doesn't take over. But then what's one thing you're going to change? What's one thing that your ancestors did that you want to change? Or have them invoke the ancestors in the circle and have a conversation with them. Because, there, you know, the good thing is that therapy is getting to be well known and people are coming in knowing a little bit more about generational trauma. So they're getting an idea of what's going on. They saw their parents do it and don't like it. And they'll start naming those things and how are they going to heal from it, identify it, heal from it, um, and then thank themselves and thank their ancestors or even change roles. Be your ancestor. Why do you think that they did this? Just to gain some understanding, that doesn't mean you have to uh, accept it wholeheartedly and be okay with it. It's just to gain a little bit more understanding of it. Absolutely. That, you know, the idea of putting yourself in that person's shoes, maybe you have a little bit more understanding as you're saying, it's not that you're making it okay what they've done that may have been hurtful to you. 
but maybe, you know, mm. as you were saying, you know, out of, out of, you know, trying to be protective, out of trying to be loving, out of trying to be helpful. Sometimes people do hurtful things uh, from a, a good, you know, it's coming from a good place. It didn't land in a good way. Right. And so, you know, yeah. I think it is sometimes really important to sort of imagine what it was it like to be that person, that ancestor and where they were coming from and, you know, their own personal experience and background and history you know, all played into that moment where they may have done something hurtful. And again, it doesn't excuse that or make it right that they did that thing. It just sort of maybe gives you a little insight yeah. into that, you know, makes it a little less black and white, right? Like a little more nuanced and complex. That person is not just wasn't, you know, only who they were to you. They were also a person to a lot yeah. of other people as well. And they had a lot of other experiences as well. Yeah. Let me just say this. I think it's it's called The New Jim Crow, right? The book. Mm -hmm. I, I get mixed up with titles. But in The New Jim Crow, she was talking about how an African-American mother or a black mother would put her son down while the other family would put their child on, you know, a pedestal. And she was talking about they did that to save them. Oh, if he's dumb, then they won't take their child away from them. And now it's like one of those things where they say this thing serves you, but no longer serves you, but you still do it. It's no longer serving us, but it had a, it had a purpose in the beginning. Right. A, a life-saving purpose, you know, a survival purpose. Really, yeah. um, really important, really important to remember that. And, and that is a wonderful way to connect, even when you're dealing with hurt and wanting to heal from something that was hurtful, a way to connect to someone else's humanity. Um, and where they would yeah. have been coming from. And so, you know, we're, we're coming toward the end of our time together, but I'm wondering, you know, just for the people who may be, you know, learning about art therapy for the first time, drama therapy for the first time, um, and finding this kind of interesting, what we're saying, what we're talking about, these ways of using movement and mirroring and storytelling and drama. You know, I'm wondering if there's anything that parents can experiment in these creative ways with their kids at home, that they can process through things in fun ways with their kids at home. You know, what might be something that you would suggest for a parent who's wanting to do creative things with their child at home that are also meaningful? So I know I've mentioned affirmations a lot in the things that I've said, but uh, something that's coming to me is like affirmations and movement. So I am strong. I am black. My voice matters. Uh, today, I choose to be confident. I'm calm. I'm relaxed. And ask the child to come up with a movement for each of those. You can start with three um, or it could be more, uh, but then kind of make it into like a choreography and a dance uh, and then repeat it with them. This is something that could be used as a morning routine, something that could be used on the way home, something that could be used before bed. Um, and of course, the goal is like developing a positive self-image. And just parents joining children in their world and expanding and opening um, lines of communication between them. Uh, something else that's coming up for me is just mirroring. Put on your child's favorite ask them, let them choose and allow them to lead. Uh, children have only but so many choices. And so you just follow them. It gives them a sense of leadership and power over themselves, over their words, over their body, over their movements, um, and just simply joining them um, in that experience so that they can feel seen, heard, um, and loved. I love that. I love that idea of uh, 
like embodying an affirmation as you're talking about the idea of like, I choose to be confident today, but like having a movement that goes with that. Like, you know, how people would say like, you know, your mom gives you the look or whatever. And you know what that means? Like, you could almost like do this movement and your child knows that that means the like, you're going to be confident today movement. You know what I mean? Like, it just it's a cool idea of like, having like a little language with your child. Um, but that's embodied. I love that. I love that. And Jennifer, what do you what do you suggest? And it just helps them to list it out, but also just to tap it in. But thinking like EMDR, really tapping it into their body um, so that they can remember it um, from a body um, perspective. I love that. I love embodied things. It's great. Um, <laughs> Jennifer, what were you going to say? Sorry to cut you off there. Yeah, they say something similar, but we uh, it's called uh, sculpting. Like, what does it feel to be powerful? You know, what does it feel to be, you know, the big sister or the smart one or whatever? We have to start replacing the names or that are given and have them choose the roles that they want in their own lives from young. Because it becomes very easy for somebody to give them a role and they don't know how to, I'm sorry about that, but they don't know how to, to handle that. The other thing that I was thinking that tell each other stories, create stories with each other. How much fun is that? And, you know, people are forgetting how important creativity is. If you want to think outside the box, you have to practice that. And that's what work. Oh, they think outside the box. It's not always natural, but you have to teach people and they do that via being creative. Uh, so tell each other a story each day. Oh, look at that woman in red. Tell me a story about her and just make something up. It, there's no, and there's no right or wrong. It's a story, you know, and it gets kid, uh, their imagination going. They start getting happy because they're getting listened to. And, you know, they're, they're, people need confidence to learn and change. So that's one thing that will help them build their confidence that they can do other things that they felt before were hard. The other thing is uh, the quick one, and you can actually Google it, is I I am poem. So you write I am five times down and you say I am and then you ask the person I am a car. What kind of car are you? I am, you know, the choice of cars. I'm a Ferrari. I'm a beaten up bug, you know, so you kind of get an idea of what they're feeling. I am an animal. I'm a raging tiger. And every day is going to change. And you can go through different ones. What kind of metal? I'm titanium, I'm strong, I'm aluminum foil, whatever it is, I'm a gold band. And they they can just express how they're feeling in the moment when they may not have the language to say it. I'm a color, I'm a fiery pit, I'm a weather, I'm, you know, 150 degrees, you know, or I'm snowing, or I'm quiet, or I'm, you know, whatever it is. They can actually Google I Am Poems, they're pretty popular, but... I love working with people and I am because I, f- I find out more about them than just having a conversation. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. And you're reminding me too, that I can be more creative. My child often asks, this is so funny too. My child will often ask, tell me a story about when you were little. This is the like every day I get this, uh, this, and I like somehow yeah. draw a complete blank. Like I can't remember my entire life. Like, I don't know. I don't know why. But in the moment I'm like totally yeah. drawing a blank. Um, and often I try to remember a story from the age that my child is. So my child is eight. So I'll think, oh, like what happened mm-hmm. when I was eight? Mm-hmm. But also she will ask, tell me a story from when I was little. She'll say about herself, you know, tell me a story about me when I was little. And again, I'm like, why can I not remember anything in this moment? Like in the moment she asks me, I feel like I'm drawing a blank. But like 
And any other time I could tell you 50,000 stories about my child at age three. <laughs> but like, for some reason in the moment, it's hard. But I like what you're saying is I could just make up a story. I could say, well, I will tell you a story about the lady in rent across the street instead yeah. while I'm thinking of another Look one. It up. It's still going <laughs> to yeah, it's it's, I'm just going to say this. It's still going to have parts of you in the story. It's always going to have parts of you in the story. And it's always going to have parts of your child in the story. So you're making up a story, but it's still part of you and still part of them. So it's, it's really a beautiful exercise to do. And you can like you can do it anywhere. Car, walk, waiting for something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I know, Anita, you also are, you're a new mom, are you not? Is this? Of a one-year-old. A one-year-old, yes. I wonder what, have you done any fun, creative things with your one-year-olds? Any mo- any fun, movement-y things? Yes, uh, we use lots of spots. We do freeze dance, although she can't quite understand, like, um, self-control and, you know, regulation, regulating her body. Uh, but I still put the spots on the floor. It's teaching her colors. We're working on gross motor. We're working on fine motor by picking up the spots. Uh, we use the parachutes up down she goes under she crawls there's so many different games so many different movement games to to get her learning um and we use scarves when we use our scarves uh she's learning about colors uh texture Uh, but then also she's dancing around and having fun and just being able to really express herself I know. I love being a mom. I mean, <laughs> that's the good, yummy stuff, too. That one years old. Oh, that's when they still let you, like, mush them all the yeah. time. My ear's like, Mom, come on, like, stop. You know, <laughs> but, like, I'm, like, on the other, like, the other end where, like, I only get the snuggles occasionally. And I'm always like, oh, give me more cuddles. But, like, one yeah. years old, like, oh, it's like Cuddle Central. It's exciting. I love it. <laughs> I love that. Do you have kids, Jennifer? I have pet kids. You have pet kids, exactly. I, you, I see. I see your pet child running around, yeah. st- sticking yeah. sticking their tail in your ear. She's bad. <laughs> she used the word bad, but she doesn't understand what bad is. So I'm okay with that. <laughs> the other one, I, you know, I have little pet names for them that I would never call humans. Um, <laughs> yes. But yeah, those are that's my those are my kids. Well, thank you so much, both of you, for being here and sharing your expertise with us. This has been great. I love learning about art therapy. I really am like, this is on my list now. I gotta get myself an art therapist. This is like super amazing. And and it's been so lovely to talk with so many black art therapists. I mean, this is just not a perspective that you often get. And I was also amazed at how many of you there are out there, which is so exciting. It's like super exciting. I just wish I knew you all and could have you all in one room, like teaching me more things. Um, But I've really loved having you. I've really loved speaking with you. Thanks so much for giving us some ideas. Let the people know before we sign off where they can find you if they're interested in working with you. You can find me on Headway, uh, Anita Powell, or you can find me on Instagram at Solace Steps, S-O-L-A-C-E-S-T-E-P. Oh, you can find me and my fabulous, the fabulous, fabulous art therapist of all of color that work with me at IYCH, it's yours, creative healing.net. I'll say it again, IYCH.net. You can also find it's yours on LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, Instagram. We're, we're slowly building it. We're slowly pulling it together. So, but, but check us out. Jennifer, before we sign off with you too, tell me about the other, what kind of, um, is everyone a drama therapist at your practice? Like what it, no, I understand, I understand that everybody heals differently. So some people are scared away by drama. 
some people have trauma and it has to, they have to dance. Some people like art. So what I did was I found different creative arts therapists. Most of us are drama therapists, but I made sure that I had a dance. I have an art. I really was trying to get the the music therapist in. She's very busy, but that I'm building and I'm growing because now I know that people heal differently. So I can't expect my way to be the best way for everyone. So I tried to give everybody what they would need or would like to try. Absolutely. Absolutely. I hear that. Thanks for that info. So yes, thanks again for both of you being here. And um, I will put all that information in the show notes so everyone knows how to reach out to you. Um, yeah, thanks. It's been great talking with you. Thank you so much for inviting me to this conversation. I'm grateful. Thank you. Once again, I keep on repeating, Anita. Thank you so much. This was a lovely conversation. I do talk to other creative arts therapists. They're usually more drama therapists, but it's nice to have a conversation just with different voices and that, you know, people, thank you for letting people find out about us because people don't know that, that we exist. And this is such a beautiful way to heal that I think that's why I was so drawn to it. Absolutely. Agree. Thank you. You're welcome. And thank you as well. That's all for today's episode of Project Parenthood. Thanks for listening, and I hope you found this helpful. Be sure to join me live on Instagram at BK Parents on Monday, February 26 at 12.45 p.m. for my monthly Ask Dr. Core and get your questions answered in real time. If you have a question for me about parent-child relationships, respectful parenting tips, and or parental mental health that you'd like me to cover in a future episode, shoot me an email at parenthood at quickanddirtytips.com. Leave a message at 646-926-3243 or leave a message on Instagram at BKParents. That's B-K-P-A-R-E-N-T-S. And you can learn about my private practice working with parents living in New York State at www.brooklynparenttherapy.com. Project Parenthood is a quick and dirty tips podcast. It's audio engineered by Dan Firebend. Our podcast and advertising operations specialist is Morgan Christensen. Our digital operations specialist is Holly Hutchings. And our marketing and publicity associate is Davina Tomlin. See you next week. At Best Western, we can't promise you the perfect family beach vacation. We can't promise that it won't rain or that you won't get a sunburn or that your family won't endearingly call you Lobster Mom for weeks afterward. What we can promise is a warm welcome and a comfortable room amidst all the joyful chaos. Lobster Mom. Life's a trip. Make the most of it at Best Western with over 4,200 hotels worldwide. Go spread the word. When you get a fresh, hot McCrispie from McDonald's and you can feel the heat coming through the bag, don't try to wait till you get home. Always respect hot chicken. The McCrispie, only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.